favorite Saturday morning podcast, Bulls Green. Thomas, as usual, is here with me. Tom, how are you? I'm not with you. No, you're, you're not with me. In spirit, you're with me. <laughs> yeah, we, we are still, we are still uh, Skyping here. I know. How crazy is that? Like For like eight months now, I think we've had one show together. <laughs> eight yeah. months. Well, I gotta come see your house still. Yes. Yeah, so you haven't been here, have you? I have not. You have not used the urinal. No, I have. You know what? I'm on vacation in a few weeks, so maybe, uh, maybe I'll pop by. Well, no, no, no. I assume that we are gonna be uh, driving up together to the uh, the cabin in the woods. We are. So you should be here then. Oh yeah, that's right. So I'll, I'll see you next Friday. I'll come a little early. Yeah, I can take yeah. a grand tour. We're, we're solving problems. Look at that. All right. I guess maybe a problem that hasn't been solved is uh, <laughs> it's the mysterious disappearance of Charles Morgan. <laughs> I mean, it, it segues do not get any better than that. <laughs> I try, I try. Yeah, so we're um, we're really gonna change it up this week. Like we've never done something like this before. Mm-hmm. We usually just do lists or top five or. We just bitch about shit, but um, we're going to do... There's a lot of true crime podcasts out there. Um, we're not trying to compete, but we're, we're trying to take a lesser-known case and kind of put it out there. Because, um, and a weird one. Yeah, and I'm like really about like unsolved mysteries and just crazy shit. Like I, I, um, one of my favorite sites to go to is Reddit, and it's a, they have a Reddit page called Unresolved Mysteries, and it's all like people posting about all this stuff, like, this person's missing, or this person was killed for 50 years ago, and they never found, like, the, the who killed them, um, and I know a lot, and I have never heard of this one before, and you brought this to, to me, Yes. and um, it's a really good find, and it's a really, really weird story. Well, originally, what we were going to do was uh, talk about this alien story, and... I'm kind of glad we did. Yeah, um, so, we, you know, Tom bought what we should do this week, and uh, I suggested aliens, <laughs> because, uh, well, it's Halloween. Yeah, I was 100% against it. Yeah, Tom was. Um, and I just listened to one called The Skinwalker Ranch. I didn't really suggest us to do it. I just thought it was really this weird, bizarre story. Uh, if you really want to check that out in your own time, I highly recommend it, because it's bizarre as fuck. Uh, it's called the Skinwalker Ranch. I believe it's in Utah. Yep, the Utes. Yeah, and I'll just it's bizarre. Definitely check it out in your own time. But uh, yeah, so we we decided not to really go that route. Thank um, God, because I'm outside right now having a cigar, and I'm looking over my shoulder like every 36 seconds. I am as well. It's it's very dark out, and next yeah. week we'll be at a cabin in the middle of nowhere. So who knows what will happen? What was that? You didn't hear me? I no, you broke it up. Oh, I said next week we're going to be in the cabin in the middle of nowhere, so who knows what will happen. I don't worry, I bring a lot of guns with me. <laughs> we might get anal probe and not by the king. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I'm abducting someone. <laughs> so, so this case comes from 1978, Correct. Uh, 77. 77, I apologize. So Charles Morgan was a 39-year-old man, uh, basically lived a um, simple life. He was an escrow agent at a statewide escrow in Tuscan, Arizona, where he lived with his wife, his wife Ruth, and their four daughters. God bless that man, because... Yeah, no wonder he probably wanted to run away. He probably never got to use the bathroom. <laughs> See, that's the beauty of having a urinal. Yeah, I guess so. You really, I'm the only one that used it. Yeah, pretty much. You pretty much just uh, wiped out the competition. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what most people did not know about Charles was that he was supposedly working as an agent for the federal government. Uh, basically, he's offering assistance for combating against organized crime. It, it's kind of funny, like, you hear about this, like, from... Kind of when the, the time that the FBI started, you always hear about people working for them and, and doing 
you know, covert things and this and that. You don't hear about it nowadays. And that's what always made it very weird. Like, you always had movies about it, things like that. But you never hear about an FBI person now being exposed, or like just a regular civilian, like, you know, Bob in the PTA, you know, and we find out that he's like a fucking black ops fucking killer for the government. Right. You don't hear about that now. And it seems like this, especially in that, like, 70s, early 80s era, is when this seemed to, like, everyone was working for the government. Well, I think because, well, one, you don't hear about it now because, I mean, it might be happening now and we just don't hear about it. And that's exactly it. Like, it seemed like either they were not very good at doing it or people just had loose lips. That too. I think I think loose lips would be more now because with the internet, like nothing's pretty much a secret these days. No. But you got to think like the seventy. I mean, I think it was a little more. You know, the seventies, early eighties. It was definitely like the Wild West, in terms of like government and all that other stuff going on. And you're you're just coming off Vietnam. Um, you're in the middle of the cold. Yeah. So a lot of shit's going on. Um, so yeah, it's definitely weird. Yeah. So uh, bef- and, and, oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Oh no, I was just saying that I just that um, we had just we're almost finished with Narcos, the Escobar mm-hmm. um, part of it. We didn't get into Mexico, but it's it's takes place at this time, and like you just see how it's like kind of normal people doing you know Barry Seal. He was he was a drug smuggler working for the like. There's just so many stories of stuff like this. Oh so, yeah. I mean, if you see a picture of this guy. He looks... He looks like your neighbor. <laughs> he, he, he actually reminds me of uh, Meathead, but not he, probably he, as douchey. He does look like Rob Reiner. Mm-hmm. He looks a lot like Rob Reiner, actually. Yeah. Now that you mention it. He has that 70s look Reiner to him. Rob Reiner would have gotten abducted. <laughs> right. Uh, they would have brought him back. His fu- he would have been bitching too much. They would have been like, here, take back... You don't like Rob line. Reiner. Huh? You don't like Rob Reiner? I hate Rob Reiner. Why do you hate Rob Reiner? Because he was Archie's nemesis? One reason, yes. <laughs> well, that's acting, Tom. <laughs> well, uh, apparently art imitates life, because he is pretty much the same way, I think, in person. <laughs> you ever see that South Park episode where they kind of just, like, tore him apart? I've seen one South Park episode yeah. in my life. I think I've asked you this question about every other month, and you say the same exact thing, so I should really learn to stop asking you that. Um, <laughs> oh, so before I continue, I do want to cite our sources. Uh, we're we're kind of going off of Morbidology.com yeah. and Unsolved Mysteries Wiki. Uh, wiki. Um, so just, you know, we're not um, taking anyone's work. We're just kind of going off that. Um, we're publicizing that. Thank you. All right, so here we go. Here gets the good stuff. On March 22nd, 1977, uh, Charles Morgan disappears without a trace. His yeah, his family hears nothing from him until a couple of days later when he bursts through the front door of their home, looked uh, all messed up. He has uh, handcuffs hanging from each wrist. Um, he has one coming from his ankle. He just looks like a mess. Um, he goes through the house, like, tearing through the house. He grabs a pen and piece of paper and details this crazy story um, where he says he's unable to speak because he has been kidnapped, tortured, and then had hallucinogenic drug poured down his throat, making him unable to talk. Now, if I'm the wife, if I'm the wife in this, I'm thinking this guy just went to, like, a sex dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, this is just total bullshit. Mm. I've never, like, I mean, you have, it, hand, you have you have uh, handcuffs on each extremity, which, and they said it was only one cuff. How one, did you get the cuffs off? Well, he had two. He had a cuff attached to each wrist, and then one cuff on his leg. Yes, but was it a complete cuff, or was it just the single? It doesn't. Was it both handcuffs, or was it a single cuff? No, it was. Had... It was. He had a handcuff on one and a handcuff. Oh, actually, no. It doesn't really say. Yeah, um, like was one was one handcuff on and the other one was dangling the... down, or did he like cut off one of them? He had handcuffs, plural, hanging from each wrist. So I'm gonna assume he had a pair of handcuffs on each wrist. Almost like when you're okay. doing S, you know. 
not that I would know, but <laughs> when you're kind of like handcuffed to the bed, like you have two different handcuffs. You don't have one handcuff. You're... Okay. But that's what it kind of seems like. It seems like they kind of handcuffed them. It seems them. like that. Yeah, so, I mean, I think you're right. Like, I, I think, I mean, my, my wife would think I'm bullshitting her. <laughs> I mean... This is a, a bizarre uh, tale to spin. Um, My wife would have said, "Why did you leave? <laughs> why did you? Why did you come back?" She probably said, "Why did you come back?" Yeah. Um. So he tells uh, his wife that he was able to escape from his captors, who he referred to as "quote unquote" them, near Phoenix, yes. near Phoenix's Sky Harbor Airport. Uh, so his wife urges him to go to police, but he he doesn't want to, saying that they would uh they would pretty much it'd be like signing away the the, the lives of the whole family. Like it, the cops basically the cops are in on it, kind of I guess maybe. Um. So when she keeps pressing Charles for who's threatening him, he tells her that the less quote unquote the less I knew, the less likelihood there would be of anyone hurting me or my children. Notice how he doesn't say anything about Ruth. Like, no one will hurt me or the kids. Well, no, I Ruth, think I think this is... I don't this, care about you. That's why I've been in a sex dungeon for the past three days. This is... I believe this is Ruth talking. So she's the one that's in the quote. So the less that she knew, the less chance of her being hurt and the children being hurt. Which is just... Um, I mean, listen, if, if you're having an affair and you want to keep it a secret, this is probably a good thing. Maybe it's a good way to kind of get out of it. Like, listen, I can't tell you because uh, something might happen to you guys. So, <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, really, like, if anyone's out there doing that kind of nasty shit, then maybe take some uh, advice from Charles Morgan here. <laughs> um, so following all this, uh, Charles Morgan is obviously on very high, strung, very on edge. He grows a beard and looks like Rob Reiner, and. Uh, he refused to let his daughters go outside alone. Um, he made sure they were picked up and dropped off every day from school. Um, he told he tells his family that if anything happens to him, he would leave behind a letter explaining everything. He confesses to his wife that he was doing work for the Treasury Department. Um, and see, now right there, well, two things. One, my wife just let out the dog and... Every time she comes to the window, she gives me. She gave me just the double finger now. So this just shows that if I left, she wouldn't even give a shit. Is that? Oh, I thought maybe she heard what I said. <laughs> she, no, no, no. She's, not, she's literally giving me the finger on this. <laughs> she's so giving anyway, me a stone cold salute. What's weird is he's supposedly working for the government, but he's working for the Treasury Department. Yeah, I don't. I, don't I mean, know. it's not like he said, "I'm working for the CIA. Mm-hmm. I'm working for the FBI." I'm working for the people who make money. And I get it, he works in a, his job that he had was an escrow agency. But it, again, I, I'm, I'm taking it, I guess, maybe from the, I, I know I'm picking it apart a lot, but I'm taking it from like the, I don't believe this story angle. You don't. And I'm just throwing my thing into maybe make people think a, a different way. Well, that's fine. That's why, we're, that's, why we're talking, that's why we're talking about this, to kind of get yes. all perspectives from here. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, that's my perspective on it, if people haven't realized why I'm interrupting Joe every five seconds. No, I think that's good because I don't want to just read off <laughs> and just talk. So it's good because mm-hmm. we need... I'll, I'll we repl- do like hearing the sound of your sweet, sweet voice, though. Oh, who doesn't? <laughs> um, so also at this time, kind of a side note, Arizona is the only state um, that allows um, blind trust ownership of real estate. It means that if an individual buys property, um, they could buy it without being traced. Okay. Um, I mean, I really don't know anything about property, so I guess, uh, I guess, what does that mean? Like, you could buy a house and they don't kind of look back? Yeah, they probably, what it means is that they're not looking into how you maybe got the money for it. Gotcha. you know, where you're from or who's paying the taxes. It's almost like it's from the way that I'm reading it and I could be wrong and if anyone out there knows what this actually means it doesn't seem like this law is maybe in effect anymore because it's so old and Arizona being the only state that is maybe it's now completely accepted as this but it almost seems like you don't have any I guess uh, 
you're kind of off the grid for owning the property. Maybe it would be the layman's terms for it. Right. The way that I'm, I'm reading the way that it comes out. That's what it sounds like to me, too. It means, like, you buy it, like, pretty much no questions asked kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Morgan, who's an escrow agent, uh, was the only person who knew an owner's identity in situations such as this. Um... At the time of this, Morgan was doing escrow work for two alleged organized crime groups, the Ned Warren family and the Joe Bonanno family. Now, one of those Bonanno. is... Bonanno. Do you know that family? Yeah, yeah, Bonanno. Oh, you do know it? That's a New York crime syndicate. I mean, that's, that's as Italian as it gets right there. <laughs> yes. I, I, the Ned Warren family I've never heard of, but Bonanno, yeah. That, so was, I, a, that was the New York City mafia. Really? So I'd never heard of the Bonanno, the Bonanno family. Yes. So they're big time. Yes. Okay. So, this is all going on. Two months later, Morgan disappears again. And uh, this time he does not return home. <laughs> um, the police are telling Ruth that her husband's alive and well. Um, the morning that he disappears, Ruth took their children to work. While Morgan, oh, he took 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 their children to school. I apologize. While Morgan goes to work, uh, he had been planning on attending a uh, Masonic meeting that evening. Later that afternoon, he calls his office from a downtown payphone and said he would be arriving at the office in a half hour. Um, and he never shows up. Now that that leads a little bit into this as well, because obviously he was a Mason, right? So, they, they have a little bit of a mystique around them, too, and a yeah. little bit of a, um, you know, secretive past. So, it seems like he's got his, I mean, for an average guy, it seems like he's got his hands in a lot of weird, quiet, undercover things. Then, adding in the fact that he's supposedly working for the government, it just seems like he's... he's Stretching himself too thin with all this mysterious, the mysterious shit going mm-hmm. on. Yeah. In my eyes. Yeah. Um, little side note about the uh, Bonanno family: they were founded by Salvatore Maranzano, and they were named after uh, Joseph Bonanno, uh, who was a cr- obviously the crime boss. Um, they ran. They're from New York City, and their active years are 1890s to now. Yeah. So they're still kind of out there. Um, finally, on the uh, 18th of June, 1977, Charles Morgan is found, discovered alongside his car on a dirt road in Sells, Arizona, around 40 miles west of his home. He was the, not alive. Nope, that's... <laughs> no. There was a bullet wound to the back of his head. Um, it traveled all the way through and settled in between his teeth. Now, my question on that is, did they did they settle between the top jaw and the lower jaw? <laughs> did it knock out one tooth and it just kind of so- stood there? Like, I would imagine, I, I bet you it kind of, obviously, if, if he's getting hit in the back of the head, it's going through some stuff. <laughs> um... I mean, I can't really... I don't... You're right. I don't know how it... Maybe it hit, like, a molar, and it just kind of, like, settled there. Well, this is what's weird about it. Um, the gun that he actually had was a three fifty seven uh, Magnum, which... Right. ...is not a small gun. No, that's a big fucking gun. So... It, when you think about a human head, there's not a lot of bone... Well, ...for a skull. weapon of that caliber. Yeah. To go and then stop between his teeth. So I'm wondering if, like, it pretty much just, like, got lodged in, like you said, in a molar, maybe in part of his jaw, and what would have been, like, the the exit wound to that? There, I mean, it had, this had to have been a gruesome-looking scene. I mean, and from what I mean, I'm... You look at the picture of him, and we'll post his picture for the episode, but, like, he had the beard. Think about all, like, the blood and the brain particles and the the teeth chunks that were just mashed in his in his beard and his mustache it had to have been a gruesome scene I would imagine so but like you said the Magnum's a, it's a pretty big gun that packs a lot of punch how far I mean they 
I mean, this isn't a gun. I can't imagine they put this to the guy's head and pulled the trigger. His his face would have exploded. It would be pretty gruesome. I mean, you know guns. Like, am I wrong? Like, if if I shoot oh, no, you no, point no. blank range, I mean, that face is disintegrating, correct? I mean, it, it also all depends on what type of bullet they were using. Okay. You know, a full metal jacket definitely has a different, um, different entrance, well, more of an exit wound and how it tears through the body than a, uh, a um, I said full metal jacket, how opposed to a hollow point would do. Because a mm-hmm. hollow point more, it splinters into like, almost like a mushroom cloud, if you will. Okay. So it, it, it full metal jacket is just a, it's just a chunk of, of metal, of lead, that is just ripping through as quick as it can. So it, it I'm not trying to sound morbid when I say this, but I'd love to see like the crime scene photos of this, if there are any that are available. Right. This had to have been it had to have been a very gruesome uh, thing. And I'm wondering if, as you said, that you know, was he shot up close? I almost think that he would maybe have been kneeling. Yeah, that's how and I would think. They kind of went up behind him and went over like into the top of his head because that would give it a little bit more. So you kind of, I mean, stoppage now, because yeah. of the because of the, the bone, right? So it kind of makes you wonder how tall the other guy was, because like mm-hmm. you said, like if this guy is, you're right, he probably was kneeling because that's kind of like that execution style, execution. like kneel down, yep. hands behind your back, kind of thing. So if this guy's tall, or I mean, obviously if he's kneeling, he's going to be significantly lower, but depending on the height, like if he shoots him down, like he's got to be over six feet. Yeah. Like if he kneels in front of me, like I'm, I'll, I'll probably get like the top of his head, like skim it, you know, like. Yeah, if if it was, me and Joe have a little bit of a height differential. If Joe was to shoot someone in the back of the head, <laughs> it would probably be more in the literal back of the head. Right. I would maybe shoot them more on the top of the head, mm-hmm. or the back, you know, like the back part where it, where it starts to curve down. Right. Because it would be more of a comfortable shot. Joe would almost be more shooting probably from the hip mm-hmm. because it'd be the same height as, or you know, when they say shooting from the hip, it's not literally the hip. It's more, you're in a, a tight locked arm position, mm-hmm. almost like you're curling. You're like, a, you're, you're just breaking up a, like halfway through a curl. That would be more probably comfortable for you to execute someone. Where as opposed to me, it would be more of a downward shot. Right. Uh, because you're, and you're taller. Yes. Um... So I'm not really sure if I mentioned this, but around the time he, in those two months between his two disappearances, he wore a bulletproof vest everywhere he went. Um, that's how paranoid he was. So, which is unusual too. Well, well, you know, when you get kidnapped, I guess like you're taking all these precautions. Like obviously, people are coming after you, and you you escaped supposedly. So, and I get it. It's the it's the South. You know, not not. Well, it's like our south. It's like but mid. It's like Midwest country, South. Yeah. It's a little more. Uh, I guess gun okay there up north. Like you just can't go into a sporting goods store and buy a bulletproof vest. So like, no. where did he get this? Could it have possibly been provided by if he was working for the government mm-hmm. by the government? That, but you gotta also remember, it is the seventies, and a lot of this. I mean, nowadays, you're right, you can't go anywhere and get a bulletproof vest just, like, off Amazon or Dick's or whatever. It's actually illegal in New York to possess one. Right. So, in the 70s, and in Arizona, the Midwest, which is right next to Texas, um, you probably could go to some kind of gun store and maybe get it there, or maybe some... I don't, I don't know. Like, it's a, it was a different time. Um, so... When they did find him, he was wearing his bulletproof vest, and he was armed with a knife and a holster. Um, as you mentioned, they, he had a three fifty seven caliber magnum, which was found nearby. No fingerprints found on it whatsoever. Another very weird thing. Yeah. Inside his car, um, prima, uh, the county sheriff investigators found a cache of ammunition, as well as several other weapons and several sets of handcuffs. And... One of his own teeth was discovered wrapped up in a tissue in his car, as well as a pair of sunglasses that weren't belonging to Charles Morgan. Now, how did they know that? 
Um, that could have been identified by his wife. Like, do you recognize these sunglasses? I mean, when you're around somebody all the time, like, you you kind of know. Like, I'm sure, like, you, if you find a pair of sunglasses in the house, you're like, oh, that's, uh, that's my wife, or that's my daughter's, or these are mine. And if, if she wears new sunglasses all of a sudden, do you, do you notice it? In all yeah, honesty. Usually, usually I'm like, where the hell did you pay for that mm-hmm. one? Exactly. Exactly. Like, if your wife's wearing something new, you kind of notice it. <laughs> or if your husband, for that matter. Especially something like sunglasses, because you're wearing them on the face. It's, you know, Arizona, it's hot as fuck. It's always sunny, pretty much. Um, so you're, it's something you're, you're going to be wearing quite often. Well, because this is the other thing I'm wondering. In the photo, he is wearing prescription glasses. Did he have a pair of sunglasses that were not prescription? That were they prescription? Like that could have been that could have been too. Like they could have looked at him. These are just normal five and dime sunglasses that were that were taken off a rack somewhere, as opposed to prescription sunglasses. Yeah, and that's the other thing too. Like back in the day, there was no Oakleys. There was no, you know, uh, if you will, designer sunglasses. Um. So now it gets a little more bizarre. So they're looking through his car, and they find that it's been modified, that it could be unlocked from the fender, which I've never heard of. Yeah. And that's so the fender is the front of the car, right? Kind of like yes. um like the the side or almost like the front side. Essentially, where your wheel well wraps around. Right. I mean that, that that's so fucking bizarre. Um, and pinned to Charles Morgan underwear, they found a map and directions of how to get to the murder site, as well as a $2 bill. The $2 bill had seven Spanish names written on the front, as well as a Bible citation. Ex-less, uh, I'm going to butcher this, I'll just spell it out for you. E-C-C-L-E-S-I-A-S-T-E-S 12 colon 1 dash 8. Now, before Morgan's discovered, Ruth gets a, a phone call from a woman who referred to herself as Green Eyes. She said to Ruth, and she said to Ruth, and I quote, Chuck is alright, and everything will be alright. Before, before referring her to the same Bible passage that was scrawled in the $2 bill found with Morgan. This woman, this woman made herself known to police and told them that she had known Morgan and that she had seen him after he disappeared before his death. Um, and according to this woman, Morgan showed her a briefcase stocked with money that he said he was using to buy off a hitman who, he, who had been hired to kill him. Morgan said that there was $90,000 contract out on his life that was escalating at the rate of $5,000 a day. Now this is twofold here. This woman who said that she knew him, granted his name was Charles, but how would you know that his nickname was Chuck? So obviously she had to have had some sort of conversation. Chuck. Oh with yeah, him. Chuck. And to be kind of a little bit maybe more intimate, because when you when you introduce yourself, um, you know, usually if I'm meeting someone. That may be a business relation, mm-hmm. something you know, not as just friends. I usually introduce myself as Thomas. Okay. But when it's more relaxed, I say I'm Tom. Mm-hmm. Again, you're going to use your proper name, Charles, not your nickname, Chuck. Well, it kind of was that. Yeah, I, I I agree with that, and I look at it two ways. One, this person, you're right, is pretty much. Um, knows him personally, like, maybe knows him around, like, maybe, like, it's almost like how I sign, like, if I'm signing, like, a bill or stuff for work, I write Joseph. Yes. But around, around the, around where I work, everyone calls me Joe. No one calls me Joseph. So, what I think is, so this is someone that, like you said, knew him personally, or, the flip side of that is that it's almost like a condescending way of talking to the wife. That'd be like if I kidnapped you and I call your wife and I go, hey, Tommy's doing alright. You know, like that kind of just like, do you know what I'm trying to get at here? Yeah, I can see where you're coming from. Like, don't worry about Tommy. Tommy's fine. Don't worry about Chuck. I know Chuck's, he's he's okay. 
it's kind of like I, I'm trying to put it into words kind of like just uh, I guess like condescending almost or like maybe just to kind of relax the wife like I'm calling this guy by his nickname like so I know him and trust me he's fine yeah um so police were able to corroborate that the woman and Morgan had met with CCTV footage they found out that at some time between his disappearance and his death Morgan had registered at a Southside hotel where he met with this woman several times when Ruth was asked... Leading me back to believe that it was something with this kinky sex stuff. Could be. <laughs> uh, when Ruth was asked if she believed her husband had been having an extramarital affair, she denied it, stating, quote, a woman knows when her man has strayed and Chuck hasn't strayed in 19 years, end quote. Now, okay, maybe, but if, you're, if your husband is able to hide the fact that he's working for the government... Don't you think he's able to hide the fact that maybe he's having an affair? Like you think you well, know that this adds guy? Up to it too. Cause they have been together for 19 years, which means that they met when he was 22 years old. Right. Usually, if you're going to join, say, the FBI or work for the government agency, you need some sort of college. Okay, and at 22, you know? you're, you're just getting out of college. You're just getting out of college. Mm-hmm. So how did this guy, for 22 years, or excuse me, um, I'm thinking of his age, for 19 years, never once slip up? I mean, if he's that good, you would think that his paranoia and everything would not show at this point. What do you mean? You, you think it would have like happened before this? No, I think he would have been a lot more well-prepared. Well, maybe the fact that, I mean, maybe he was kind of, like, untouchable for all those years and maybe nothing happened. So, like, you know, after a while, you, you get confident, you get cocky, like, I can do this and I'm getting away well, with get this. you a little complacent. Exactly, yeah. But still, I mean, if, if he was doing it for 19 years, I mean, that's essentially how long a police officer is on the job. Mm-hmm. I mean, they... I'm sure if you asked a, a guy who's ready to retire, he's still going to have the tactics. They may not be as sharp, but he's still going to have the tactics and wherewithal to know, like, hey, you know, I need to act this way when this guy's doing it. Shit like that. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It just seems a little weird. It does. So, uh, following Morgan's death, his attorney, Ronald J. Newman, confirmed that Morgan had testified in a secret state investigation concerning Tuscan's Banco International de Arizona and a former director, David Colley. Um, Attorney General Bruce Babbitt also confirmed that they had been conducting an investigation for the banking department and confirmed Morgan had been called to testify about internal dealings at Banco that he knew of but wasn't involved in. Um, shortly after Morgan was found dead, his impounded car was broken into while in, while in police possession. His office was ransacked, and several weeks later, two men claiming to be members of the FBI showed up to the family home and searched it. So, some shit's going on here. Yeah. Um, despite all this surrounding his death, uh, Morgan's death was ruled a suicide... And the case was closed on the 10th of August, 1977. Quote, we have found no evidence that anyone took part in the death but himself, stated a Pima County Sheriff's Department official. Uh, Ruth Morgan, his wife, uh, refuted this theory and contends he was murdered. Quote, I don't know if this will ever be solved, she said. I'd like to know why. I don't think we'll ever found out who killed him. Um... So, obviously, this happened about 40-plus years ago. Um, It's still mysterious as ever. Um, Now, what do you think is going on here? Well, think about this, too. This adds into it. He was... He went missing in June. They closed the case in August. Essentially, it was 
about two months. Mm-hmm. Even if it was, I mean, think about it. If he, if the if the shot was in his, into his mouth, and it, the exit wound went out the back, that'd be one thing. But most people don't commit suicide by doing it that way. Right. I mean. It seems like it was almost like a cover-up. That's and that's what I'm that's what I'm thinking too. It's obviously, and he has stated that he couldn't go to the police because if he did, that'd be the end of him and his family. So it kind of brings it back to that, where like now you're thinking, well, who rules that a suicide? Like I, and if you, anyone who's ever killed himself by a gunshot, it's always in the mouth. Side of the head, below the jaw. You don't know anyone that shoots. Yeah, you don't know anyone that shoots behind their head like that. I mean, first of all, it must be hard to hold a pistol and get like a direct shot like that. And as you kind of said before, with a magnum. I mean, I don't know what the entrance wound looked like. They didn't really say that. Like, I don't know if it was big or little or what. But um, his back of his head would have been just blown up. Well, the other situation is. You wouldn't want to shoot yourself. And, Joe, you can kind of see the way that I'm holding the gun right now mm-hmm. because you kind of don't know where the the barrel's aiming unless you have it pressed against your head. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. So unless you have that, like, if you can see the lighter in my hand, it's pressed against, like, you kind of see where the barrel would be. Right. But if you're holding it out here, you're pulling a heavy-duty weapon. There's a kick on it. Your hand could slip and it might sever off the side of your head where you're not going to die. Yeah. And funny uh, that we should say this. Um, I read in the the paper recently that there was an individual that lived close to us um, in one of the towns neighboring us. And I guess he, this guy went into the shed. He shot himself. He like locked himself in the shed, shed somehow shot himself his girlfriend like tried to help him mm-hmm. he didn't kill himself he like shot himself in in the face area he didn't die he picked up the gun again shot himself again Jesus. didn't die and now he's I, from last I heard he's still alive god almighty <laughs> so you know this is a guy who wanted to kill himself and he couldn't do it you know with the gun facing him yeah let alone trying to do it from behind the other weird thing is, is that they said that the gun had no fingerprints on it. Mm-hmm. I could, again, if you're going to commit suicide by a gun, you're not going to put a rubber glove on. No. And it was his gun, so you would think, like, especially loading the gun, you would, you know, you, especially with a 357, it's a revolver. You're going to take out the, the uh, wheel. And you're going to have to put... There, there's going to be prints all along the the body of the gun. So for there to be no fingerprints on this weapon at all is weird. And the fact that he drove to a dirt road, like in the middle of nowhere, where it really didn't have any meaning. You know, if he drove to, say, like, the... Um, the cemetery where his father was buried. Like, people do things like that. They don't... They don't just go out into kind of like the middle of nowhere and mm-hmm. to be left there. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just... It, a lot of these things don't seem to make sense, and especially um, where it being ruled a suicide, that would be done through the medical examiner's office. You know, they, they, would, do a, they would do an autopsy on this. Right. So... A lot of these things just don't seem to be adding up with this. So there is more that there is more story going on afterwards. Um, so this episode aired on Unsolved Mysteries in uh, February of 1990. So after it aired, there were a lot of calls. A lot of people called Unsolved Mysteries saying they they uh, they might know some stuff. Um, Don Devereaux who I guess is an investigator. He investigated several leads that came up as a result of the program. 
he learned that Chuck was heavily involved in money laundering activities through his Tuscan escrow company. From 1973 until 1977, he was also involved in large gold and platinum transactions. He received a large amount of money from these activities, and some of these money, some of this allegedly came from Southeast Asia. He also discovered that Chuck kept duplicate records of the illicit transactions. Um, he Devereaux believes that Chuck was killed because he still had these records. Um, a big popular theory of this is that he was working for organized crime. Um, and you know he mentions the root. He mentioned to he mentioned to his wife that there was a lot of money laundering going in Tuscan, but he wasn't involved. Um, a big theory is that Chuck was killed by members of organized crime in the Tuscan area. It's possible that the mafia family that he worked for had him killed because he knew too much. Um, a theory is that they wanted a, an organized crime boss wanted him dead. A hitman then told Chuck, so that's why he ended up coming up with all that money. And then when he went to go pay off the hitman, the hitman just killed him anyway and took the money. That's just a theory. That's not saying it's true. It's just, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, if you're involved in, like, escrow and stuff and you're kind of dealing with organized crime, it's not hard to believe that you'd be somehow involved in it. And uh, there's only one way out of the mob, and that's uh, that's your death, pretty much. Um, yeah. It does make sense why he would have that much money on him before he died, and all of a sudden that money's missing. Um, three months after the broadcast, Doug Johnston, um, who worked across the street from Devereaux's office and drove almost an identical car, was found shot to death in his uh, right outside his Phoenix office. Um, Devereaux believes that he was supposed to be killed instead of Doug. A year after Doug's murder, Devereaux was contacted by a writer from D.C. named Danny Casalaro. He agreed to share with him the information that he had uncovered about Chuck's illegal gold transactions. However, and I'm sure you know where I'm going with this, Doug died suspiciously before he received the information. Uh, Dan- I'm sorry, not Doug. Danny died suspiciously before he received the information. That's also unsolved. Um, and Ruth Morgan, the widow of Chuck, passed away in 2006. And with that, now, the death, other interesting thing about this is you have, if it was, say, a mafia hit put on this guy, they were doing transactions to him. You have a New York crime syndicate mm-hmm. going all the way down to Tucson, Arizona to sit there and have this escrow. Makes a little bit of sense because. It's, it'd be hard for them to see these these cross-country transactions going taking place. Yeah. But if you actually look at the picture of Doug Johnson, he has a slight similarity to our friend Chuck here. I'm looking at this picture now, and you are right. Um, no beard, but if you put a beard on him, which I'm, I mean, I'm looking at I'm looking at this picture, and I don't know if yeah. you can see it. Mm-hmm. There is a similarity. And they said that um, Chuck got so paranoid that he grew out his beard. Yeah. So, again, was this all just mistaken things? Was it a coincidence that maybe he was working for the government and he just happened to look like this guy and get shot? Or was Chuck really into something more by working for the government and it was... Like two birds with one stone type of thing. Oh, you know nothing. I'm I'm looking at the this um, Casalaro guy, and I have heard about him, and I have heard, and because I've heard about this guy, and I've, I've I've read about this before. He was found in his bathtub. Both his wrists had been slashed several times. Um, they found a suicide note that read, "To my loved ones, please forgive me, most especially to my son, and be understanding." God will let me in. Um, in the bathtub, they found a razor blade. It was determined that Danny's wrist had been slashed a total of 12 times. There were eight cuts on his left one and four on his right one. One cut was deep enough to, to sever a tendon. Investigators found his wallet with credit cards and money still in his room. There appeared to be no signs of forced entry or struggle. 
As a result, they ruled it a suicide. Um, his family was not notified for two days, and they're convinced that he was murdered. Um, I have, I've heard about this, and they, and I remember reading it somewhere before that he, they said that when you kill yourself, um, it looked like the slashes, like your body, your body doesn't allow you to hurt yourself to a certain degree. Like you really have to kind of really, really go deep. To cut, yeah. but to cut a tendon, that looks like it's almost like, um, like anger. Do, do, do you know where I'm going with this? Or even torture. Or torture, yeah. But to and go. The other thing is, not to sound this way, but they always say that you don't go across the street; you go down the tracks. Right. So for you to, and your tendon, the way that it would be for you to sever it, it would be very hard to sever it going down the tracks it'd be mm-hmm. more easy because you're going against the grain as opposed with it if you understand what I'm saying yeah so your wrist is here the tendons are running this way mm-hmm. it'd be easier to cut it that way um, what would that be uh, horizontal I believe if you're going across that's horizontal yeah, across. yeah. so for you to do it that way and they say that the I mean you can do it if you're cutting deep enough but to go down the tracks, you have a better chance of hitting an artery because it's it's in the tissue and you're going deep to get in there. Mm-hmm. The other thing that they said about Danny and where his family didn't believe it was that he was afraid of um, blood tests and needles. Hmm. So why would you do it that way? Right. And um, I guess it's, it, it also said that... Uh, there was an investigation in the government corruption that um, it implemented some U.S. Uh, Justice Department officials, and some believe that he knew too much, and they snuffed him out because of this. Yeah. Um, Danny, that is. Yeah. He also told this guy, Tony, I guess, I don't know if his friend or a co-worker, I didn't really, I must have missed that part reading this. He said that if he's been receiving a lot of death threats, and if he was ever to die, that Tony should not believe that it was an accident. Yeah. Um, he had a bunch of paperwork with him and several briefcases, all gone. Um, and that he was also embalmed without the family's permission or knowledge. Which is, uh, I believe, is a big no-no. His, his hotel room was cleaned by a professional cleaning crew the day after his death. They discarded important evidence, um... One of the cleaners remembers seeing two bloody towels in the bathroom. It appeared that someone had dr- tried to clean the blood off the floor prior to when the professional crew arrived. Uh, this is just crazy. They believe that he was murdered by a secret clandestine government agency dubbed the Octopus. But such a, but such a presence is unconfirmed. Sounds like Hydra. It do- doesn't it? <laughs> it does sound like Hydra. If they talk about the Red Skull next, we're gonna have some questions here. Yeah, and I've I've I mentioned I've heard about this guy before because I I kind of I like looking into this stuff and he was involved more in this uh, Charles Morgan case. He was he was involved in some other stuff too. So who knows if he was killed because of? Uh, I mean, maybe the whole Charles Morgan thing was like the tip of the iceberg and he kind of dove deeper and deeper and found some shit out. I don't know, but yeah, as I was saying, like it, it cutting yourself eight times to the point where like you sever a tendon isn't gonna, that to me isn't a suicide, um, attempted suicide. That's like someone was trying to make it look like a suicide and went way too fucking far. Yeah, I mean, the only thing, too, is that I would have questions with it. In an autopsy report, there would probably be any type of, I guess, um, like blunt force trauma or bruising or anything like that would be photographed, said, you know, in the in the um, in the report of it. Right. If, if this was done by the government, per se, mm-hmm. and they they're going to cover all this up. Yeah. 
you know, it, it, and usually if people are going to, uh, you know, do the, the, the thing of the wrist, they get into a tub and they usually will sit in warm water. Right. Because then the blood kind of just flows out. But it's almost like an easy cleanup. Floor, <laughs> yeah. Depending where it was and how it was cleaned, you know what I mean? Well, first off, if there's bloody towels in a bathroom where one guy's in there from a suicide, I doubt this guy... First of all, when you, when you slit your wrists, the bl- I mean, and you, you're, you're cutting veins, the blood's going to splurt, so it's going to get everywhere. If you if you cut your wrist and you're bleeding out, the last thing you're going to do is, is clean up your mess because you're worried about what it's going to look like for the maids. Ah, uh, you'd be surprised. Really? Yes. Because... To me, that seems like something that you wouldn't even be thinking of at that moment. No, a lot of times when people do do things like this, they they leave, like, they'll put plastic up. They'll make it as clean as possible because, essentially, even though everything's going bad for them, they're looking out for other people in the fact that they don't want to burden these people. Mm-hmm. They don't want it to look like fucking a Texas Chainsaw Massacre I, in there. I get that, but that's something you do prior to the act. Mm-hmm. If obviously if you're cleaning up blood, you already did it. Yeah. Sp- so that makes no sense to me. Exactly. So it ob- I mean to me it's pretty obvious that someone was in there with them. They cleaned up they cleaned up the entire bathroom fingerprints, blood. And that's and that's that, you know. Oh, there's definitely a lot of stuff that just does not seem to fit into anything other than, you know, everything's a suicide. They they all kind well, other than this Danny guy, the other two guys look alike. The fact that they're on the other side of the country with crime families, and granted, I'm sure that there's stuff like this that happens, but Mm -hmm. especially if you're working for the government and you think something's fishy, and, you know, say you are working, you're investigating. Say he was investigating, going back to uh, Chuck, the working with the government. They're going to protect you at everything. You're going to have a, uh, what would they call it, like a uh, like a keeper. Mm-hmm. You know, like someone, like your contact guy. Right. You uh, know, they're not just having you out there just doing nothing, not reporting to anyone, things like that. So... All this seems a little weird, and unfortunately, it it almost seems like it. If it wasn't the hit on Chuck and it was on um, the other guy mm-hmm. on um, Doug, they, there was a lot of cleanup and there was a lot of sloppiness that was going on here. Right. Um. So I looked. I'm looking up the octopus right now, and, and there's a lot of shit out there. There's there's books. It's almost like a um, uh, an Illuminati sort of thing. Uh, the reason why they call it the octopus is because it's the octopus is obviously the government, and they have their uh, their I guess lack of a better term their tentacles involved in everything. Okay, not that you cut off one head and. No, it's or maybe that is, but from what I've read before, is that they have a hand, they're they're just everywhere. Like one arm goes to like the police, and one arm is like uh, government, and another is like here and there. That's kind of why they call it the the octopus. From what I'm from what I've read, I, you know who knows, but uh, it's a bizarre story. And again, the, the government's had some shady dealings with the mafia in its day. Hmm. I mean, uh, Lucky Luciano was used to quell things between, uh, you know, during World War II. They, mm-hmm. He was used as that. That's how he got back into the United States. I mean, there was a lot of a lot of stuff that the government didn't want to do. And again, it makes money. It's it's government's all about making money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and what's a very profitable? Uh, Organization, company, if you will, the mob. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I mean, nothing. You look at the. I mean, it's it's fiction, but you look at the Sopranos. Like, how fucking deep were they with the cops? Yeah, 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you even, again, going back to Narcos, you know, you had the CIA kind of on one side of this this drug, you know, selling business, and, and the DEA and the FBI on another. And I'm not saying that the government could shut down the mob if they wanted to because the mob runs so deep, but you had the war on drugs. Like, they needed that. And I'm not saying this is this is true. This is just allegedly. I believe they needed that in order to. You're right to get to get that get that income coming in. Oh yeah, and again, it, a lot of it had to do with Noriega and you know fighting communism and things along those lines. Mm-hmm. You know, with the Contras and everything like that. I mean, it. There. It, it's scary to if. You, you were ever at the top to know really what kind of goes on. Oh, absolutely. I, I believe there's shit and that... It, the pre- I, I was saying, I, I believe there's shit that the president doesn't even know about. I mean, I mean, we were, like, we were going to do an alien episode. We were thinking about it. Area 51. There's a ton of shit out there that no one knows anything about. No matter how high you are. Say, if, say you were a government worker. You retire after 20, 25 years. You might have a nice little pension, but how great would it be to write a tell-all book? You never really hear of a tell-all book about shit that really goes down. And, yeah, there's a and reason I think why. a lot of it has to do with the fear that, you know what, you're, if you fucking talk... It, again, it's like the mafia. If you, if you rat, you're going to fucking die. You're going to end up like Chuck. <laughs> That's true. I mean, you got to think, like, there are people out there who know this stuff, and... They retire or whatnot, and they keep their mouth shut. Yeah, and for good reason. Like you're right. I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm not gonna. I don't want to go into big conspiracy theories here, but like, I think the I, I believe the government has just a, as many, uh, just as much blood on their hand as the mob or whoever. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's crazy to think about, and you really could take a deep dive into this and get lost for hours. But it's funny, like you 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 make fun of it because it's like TV shows, but they have conspiracy theory people all in these shows. Oh yeah, you know, strange Stranger Things with uh, the one guy that speaks Russian. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he's he lives in a bunker. I'm sure that there are people out there that like live in a bunker are totally off the grid that, you know, have these, you know, their walls are filled with pictures and articles and boards and, you know, strings attached and because it, it, it's probably out there. I mean, it's something I don't ever want to get into. I would never want to even dive into that because I'd be afraid that, you know, say you did uncover something. Yeah. Just by even just stupid stumbling. Oh, well, yeah. Mean, walk into the wrong room or whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's why it, it, it's, I mean, it's, you want to know, because you just want to know if it's true or not, but at the same time, you don't want to know, because now, you have a target on your back, and it's constant paranoia. That's why this guy, Charles Morgan, is is walking around with a bulletproof vest in 1977, because uh, something happened to him that put the fear of God in him. I mean, imagine just living under that paranoia for two months like you can't you're afraid to go outside you're afraid to let your kids go anywhere by themselves you're just in constant fear yeah and for a organization like like the mob or the government like and they run deep they run deep with cops like you gotta just kind of look over your shoulder 24 7 oh yeah no it's it's definitely it's something that I'm happy in a way is not exposed. Let it be in the underbelly that we don't see. Because mm-hmm. if any of the stuff that really ever came out, it would be, I mean, it'd be bad. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But I, again, though, it's probably with every government. I mean, we have agreements with, you know, certain countries, uh, that you know we're gonna we'll help you spy if you help us spy and I mean it's when you think about this though 
I'm sure it happened throughout history, but in the past hundred years, even though hundred technology has gotten so advanced that you could be you could do all your work from your phone. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean it's it's you know, back in the day it was writing notes and, and having, you know, uh, people run these things, carrier pigeons, whatever you want to call it, to deliver messages. Now everything can be done within split second mm-hmm. from here to Iran to Russia to wherever. That's where, like, even, you know, not to get off subject, but, like, this whole, the whole Russian collusion thing. Mm-hmm. You're telling me that there was only a... Sm- and when you really break down from what's known out there, how many... Sm- how minute the amount of people that knew there's got to be more than that it couldn't just be these 100 people Mm -hmm. and why isn't any other government coming out with stuff because think about it we're 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 the enemy of a lot of countries because we are where we are being a leader of the of the world Mm -hmm. if you have some guy that could sit there and spill the beans to make us look bad you don't think they would but again, are they living in fear? It's it's really it's really weird. All these again, essentially unsolved mysteries that are out there. Yeah. Yeah. Well. So. So, uh, like we said, we kind of went a different direction this week. We usually kind of bring you uh, pop culture or news related stuff but we kind of wanted to try something a little different for the Halloween season we hope you enjoyed this episode and if you liked it I mean we can always keep doing this we'll talk about the Biden crime family (laughs) there is no Biden crime family (laughs) (laughs) we shall see in the upcoming Tom listen I don't I don't want to be looking over my shoulder so let's stay let's steer clear of the Biden crime family Yeah, we're not talking about the Clintons, so we're all right. Yeah, right. Okay. He's just as bad. Um, well, give us your thoughts on what you think. If you want us to keep uh, doing stuff like this in the future, or if you hated it, just let us know. And you can let us know on Twitter, BullringPC, Instagram, BullringPC. You can find us on Podbean, Podcoin, Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Music. Please rate and review us, and hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. You'll, you'll help us get up in the ratings and help other people uh, find this wonderful podcast that they had not been listening to to uh, yeah. almost three years. <laughs> so, any uh, any parting words before we bid adieu? What's that? I said, it was a little windy here. I, I could tell. I said, is there any parting words you have before we bid adieu? Uh, next week, we may not be able to have the show come out the day on Saturday like we normally do. We will not. There is no service at the cabin. Yes. So, we'll figure out what's going to happen with that, but we will have one next week. If it may be early, it may be late, we'll see. We'll see, yeah. You'll, they'll, you'll definitely be hearing an episode from us at some point. Yes. In that week. And we'll give you some, uh, we'll, I guess we'll tell you what we did at the uh, cabin in the upcoming episodes. Yeah, maybe not next week, but the week after. Yes. Absolutely. I'm sure there'll be a lot of cooler burning and beer drinking yes. at the cabin. Definitely a lot of beer drinking. Yeah, oh, without a doubt. Well, until next time, I am Joe. I am Tom. And we'll see you next week right here on Bulls in the Ring.